0: This is the one with a space shrimp madly ejaculating inside a booth. An antibody pillow fight. Face invading eyebrows. A passing thought. And Doc's
1: best friend. It's called The Invisible Enemy. Contact, Contact has been, been made. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. The counting Dalek's talent boot and the Cybertronic race. Tantarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales when reviewing all of who there is who back when and subscribe and rate night itunes please episode by episode we're trudging down this road. come join us on this odyssey what other choice could there be that who back when
0: who back when oh my goodness you're back again for another extraordinary episode of who back when a doctor who podcast or doc past Indeed, Doc Past and Doc's best friend and Doc Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Doc it all. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who is that? That lovely voice there must belong to someone. Oh, it belongs to me. Hello. I am Leon. Oh, hello there, Leon. And who are you? I'm Jim. Well, hello there, Jim. Why, thank you.
1: And hello there, Podcast Lands.
0: We are here talking about the invisible enemy this time
1: round, C093. Indeed. Which was not what I expected it to be. Well, it wasn't very invisible for a start. Exactly. That's number one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'd seen this one, but I'd seen screenshots of it. And I hadn't put that together. I didn't know this was what I'd seen screenshots of.
0: Right. I think we should save that post B scale.
1: Oh, sounds great. (laughs) Time for us to synapsize and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and, and listen to this overview. This free for all, we like to call a bite sized chunk of who? Bite chunk of who? The fourth Doctor
0: and his companion Leela are drawn into a fight for the future of mankind when a sentient space virus called the Swarm begins to infect human settlers on Titan and a nearby hospital asteroid. Led by the Nucleus, the Swarm is intent on taking over humanoid species and ultimately achieving galactic domination.
1: The Swarm even infects the Doctor, though, implanting inside his brain the Nucleus itself. And now Doc and Leela, while backed up by their new best friend K-9, must clone themselves and fantastic voyage into his noggin. Beast over, over, you you are are welcome. welcome. Aren't you just... High level? Like it? Dislike it, where are you? I think I'm still sitting
0: in the liked it territory. I definitely went into this unawares of what what came up, which we will get to pretty soon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, episode one and two, I was kind of like, this is going to be a good one. But I'm not quite sure if I felt that right towards, towards the, end. the end. How about yourself? Uh,
1: I am also still in the liked it camp. In fact, I am in the really liked it camp. Ooh, well, nice. yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised because I think we said this at the end of the last episode the last classic who review that the invisible enemy sounded like we were just in for yet another, Oh, there is a literal invisible enemy.
0: Yeah. They've got no budget for this serial. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They blew the budget on the sets. And now we just have to imagine everything else. Yeah. But in actual fact, it was so much more than that. And also, you remember I've been teasing you, I think on the record as well, just saying, like, there is something incredible about this. I don't want to tell you what it is, but when you watch the serial, you'll know what it is. Yeah. K9. 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 Holy
0: moly. So I went in this totally blind, had no idea. Haha. No idea. So shocked. Yeah. K9. How do you feel about
1: K9? I thought I didn't really like K9, but I super loved him. That is almost in what I've written. <laughs> the few times that K-9 has showed up in New Who, and my memory of K-9 in Tom Baker serials from when I was a kid, yeah. is that I didn't really like him. Okay, maybe I liked him when I, w- when I was a child myself, but certainly now retrospectively, I, I feel like K-9 is way too childish a, an element to put in these stories. But it totally works. I think this setup
0: definitely yeah. kind of... Well, I think they've orchestrated a reason for K-9 to be there and be part of the story. Yeah. Whether they do that going forward will be the question I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it's it's a bit of a bonkers scenario. The professor that has made K-9 just for a bit of company, and he likes dogs, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he's made a thing that's way beyond anything we can even imagine.
1: Yeah. He just has a lab droid that also, <laughs> it subs as some sort of incredibly... Impenetrable and dangerous, life-threatening. Yeah. In fact, weapon. Yeah, it's he, a nurse slash security guard.
0: But you're right about the, the impenetrable bit. That's that's. You can shoot however many lasers at yeah. this as you like. like. It's one thing to kind of think, oh, maybe I'll I'll slap a laser on its nose. Yeah, but this he thing went, is somehow made it impervious to indestructible the current weaponry. In,
1: impervious oh. to the weaponry it is itself using. Yeah, yeah. But in addition to that, he's just gone. I like dogs. I'm going to make the chassis look like a dog. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. I,
0: I kind of It kind of makes sense in a weird way. because I think so too. Humanoid robots have issues like being accepted. and Well, well we haven't experienced it, but the story is portrayed in yeah. science fiction a lot of the time. is you know, the Uncanny Valley stuff, all that, blah, 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 blah.
1: Why not try a dog? Why not indeed? Yeah. And if you're going to make it that small, then you might as well... I mean, what is he going to do? Is he going to... I guess the equivalent might be those little wheelie droids in Star Wars. Yeah. You know, the ones that are just like remote control cars. The ones that go... That's the one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So it's interesting that you mentioned Star Wars, actually, because we... I've I've mentioned this... In the past, and I don't know if I've got the right points because I think we might have been post Star Wars for a few. Oh series, yes, but we are most definitely post Star Wars now because this is October, yeah. November, I think, time of seventy-seven. Okay, entirely October. This was broadcast. October, sorry, seventy-seven. Okay. So, first Star Wars has come out in May of this year. Uh huh. I believe it's conceivable they had planned things already, and this isn't Im- impacted by that. But you could also imagine. This, you know, Star Wars has just put droids out front and center. It was seen as a risky thing. Like if, if anyone's a bit of a geek about Star Wars. Like and it worked. They'll understand that you know people were reluctant to have like C-3PO and R2-D2 so prominent opening yeah. the film, basically. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It worked. And it is K-9 is a reaction to that? K-9
1: is effectively
0: R2-D2s. Yeah, pretty much. Well, obviously you can talk. He can talk. Yeah, that's true. We, we understand him.
1: That's true, but he's more of a technical interface and more of a defensive companion the way that R2 is. The way that C3PO absolutely is not. C3PO is a coward. He's yes, a true. very intellectual coward whereas K-9 is super brave. Well, brave in the sense that he doesn't really have a concept of bravery and cowardice. But K-9 is launched into these dangerous scenarios the way that R2 is. Yeah. I think you yeah, you
0: you probably hit something that, that you probably feel about K9 the same way you feel about R2. Mm. Whereas, but R2 is shown to have personality, whereas K9 is very much kind of robotic. It's almost. K9 has of... personality in the absence of personality. Exactly. It's kind of accidental that you yeah. project onto him. Yeah, exactly. Through mechanical like way of dealing with stuff. Yeah. But I really loved him.
1: <laughs> I loved him as well. Perhaps he was sufficiently sparsely used in this serial to be lovable.
0: Yeah. He, he wasn't presented as a companion, really. Exactly. More as a tool, I suppose. Yeah. which I wonder if that'll change,
1: though, because now he mm. is part of the TARDIS crew.
0: Yes. In a very slightly odd fashion. It, like, we, could, we can get to some more plot points in a bit, I guess. Yeah, I but... think when we get
1: to the ending, we're, we're
0: going to have so many things to criticise. But just just this little bit of how Canine ends up on the TARDIS. Yeah. I expected there to be an explanation given by Professor Marius... As to why he wanted the Doctor to take
1: It's as though he's saying Canine. I'm
0: not allowed to return to Earth with this It's as though oh he is But he doesn't say it Which I found really weird I Just kind of like on tender hooks Like oh what's the reason Why why is K9
1: going <laughs> Why why can't Marius take his incredible his invention home Exactly This incredibly clever thing This contraption who has been a companion to him yeah. Is he not going to miss it He doesn't even say goodbye to K9 by the way No you would think that he would, you know, lean down, pet canine. Canine would not really understand, but say something sweet nonetheless. Yeah. And then go into the TARDIS. But no, none of that stuff. Or well, you know what it could be? If Marius had then said, listen, why don't you take K 9 I'll meet you on Earth, and you can give him back to me. Then it's, you know, one of these... You know what? Why don't you take this bag through security? Uh, I've got too many things. Canine is packed to the gills with heroin, <laughs> space heroin, and lasers. I was
0: trying to think of a funny third thing, but <laughs> I didn't.
1: <laughs> if I take this dog back to Earth, then the authorities will know that I've been fucking it for about twenty years.
0: Oh <laughs> Come on, let's not sully it. Ch- okay, I, I a apologize.
1: Childhood beloved. Thing. I,
0: I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> Okay, so we have yeah. K9 in here, which sure. is obviously a massive thing. I, yeah. I actually have no idea how long K9 stays part of...
1: Nor do I, code. but I remember having seen K9 in... Or I may be conflating memories or or even splitting memories, but I feel like I've seen, let's say, a handful of serials with K9. Yeah. I think I've already at this point proven I remember very little, or possibly I actually saw very little of Tom Baker.
0: There's a throwaway kind of trivia thing, which I I don't know if there's a lot of stuff to back it up that says mm-hmm. the only reason he joins the TARDIS crew is because it was an expensive prop and they oh, really. wanted to get the money out of We're it. We're not
1: going to build it for one
0: serial, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Like I I feel like they didn't really know they they didn't plan it necessarily. It's just like now we have a robot dog. I and they. they I don't know go how as far much as I,
1: I... Yeah, I don't know if I buy that explanation. Yeah. Because you wouldn't invest the money into building this thing unless you already had a plan. It's not like they go, hey, build us a robot dog, and then they never look at the budget. They build the most expensive prop ever, and yeah. they go, well, now we have to justify it. They, they probably went, here's your budget, and it is because we need this thing to last for X serials. Yeah,
0: no, you're probably right. And it would also strike me that this was maybe an odd serial to do it on, because... Like, we were joking that the Invisible Enemy might mean really low budget. And actually, I think everything this, is so high budget. This is one of the highest budget classic who's, I think, I've seen to date.
1: So many sets and so many, I mean, okay, so many outfits, maybe not. A few outfits. The wardrobe is really quite impressive in this one, I feel. Yeah. The alien of the week. I mean, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. But it's still <laughs> elaborate. Yeah. But the sets in particular are incredible. We, we get a new TARDIS console room we do. Yeah, we now are back in the primary console room, having just spent a whole bunch of time either outside of the TARDIS entirely, or in the the beautiful wood-paneled one. Yeah. And this was built for this serial, and is now going to be used for, I think the trivia said something like, until, yeah, here we go, until season 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how long we get this particular console room. It'll be retooled a little bit, it'll be added to probably, it's breaks over time and they have to repair it and they upgrade a little bit but this is the TARDIS console room that we get until season 25 Is that spouting multiple Doctors then? Must Just, must be, yeah, yeah. Must be I I'm not even sure how many classic All series right. there are but You know what? I'm going to find out right now So we are now on season 15 We are talking 10 more seasons
0: Yeah Yeah Which is basically Ten
1: years at least. Yeah, the fifth Doctor starts in season nineteen. Sixth Doctor, season twenty-one. Seventh Doctor, seventh Doctor, oh, no, season twenty-four. Wow! So it's, it's it is two seasons the into of the, the seventh Doctor. Doctors, yeah. wow! We get one season with the seventh Doctor without this, apparently, which
0: might explain why it looked quite familiar. Like this, this that, must be the seminal as, one. As soon as they stepped into it, I was like, "Oh, wow!" That yeah. kind of like I recognize this, and there was something about this whole series I think I commented on this. Ages ago, with the Ooh, the the arc serial when oh, they yeah? when they had done like wonderful corridors and like suddenly it just seems like this was more the kind of classic dot two I vaguely remember yeah from Sylvester McCoy's sort of time yeah whereas just slightly a bit a bit more budget but still a bit it's cheap, for, cheap made and for TV cheesy. but yes. it's um, also
1: more skillfully done yeah I right. guess
0: it, I guess that's that's the thing is using what you have available in the best way you can yeah this serial I think is possibly the first one since that, that I've kind of, rightly or wrongly, had that same feeling, that this is more kind of late 80s rather than late 70s kind of vibe. And actually, the little bits of model work was making me think nostalgically about early Red Dwarf. (laughs) Uh,
1: Holy moly. Okay, so I, I kid you not... I've written a question to start off with for you, and it is, as a fan of Red Dwarf, how did you feel about the space effects?
0: Yeah. I like the, it, they were so reminiscent of them. The one particular bit of the shuttle coming and landing on the yes. planet and then going down, not on the little space moon thing. Oh,
1: okay. oh sorry, I was going to say the asteroid. But you're right, also landing on the planet and then the little platform, the landing yeah. platform sinking down.
0: I think that the way that was lit as miniature work was very reminiscent <laughs> of... What I know and love about Red Dwarf, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see that like in '77, like 15 years before you know Red Dwarf started, it obviously hadn't changed much, in the... Uh, apparently period, not, but, no.
1: But I, yeah, you know, I or I know maybe Dallas... Red Dwarf just had an incredibly low budget wow. and perhaps <laughs> even deliberately went in for the classic BBC era special effects. Quite possibly, they they love to because there's a charm you know, in that about them, yeah. yeah.
0: But yes, yeah, it's, it's it's funny though to it, it felt like there was a lot of. You know, thought, effort going into production. There were lots of effects. They did a lot of green screen th- yeah things and yeah, you know, plenty of sets, plenty of costumes and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. My very first note though is spaceship on a string. Spaceship on a string. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> However, that spaceship on a string in the very beginning, I assume I assume we're talking about the just, same scene. Just a
0: very Star, but yeah.
1: When it become when it gets attacked by the swarm, that is an incredibly impressive effect. Yeah, the the smoky. But I don't think it's smoke actually. I think it's an inverted piece of footage of ink in water, and they've multiplied yeah. it across all corners, and so, then it's just like being played back and forth, back and back and forth.
0: Yeah, I I had paint. I wasn't sure if it was paint, but ink. Probably more, likely. but it is in water. I think it has that, it's, kind it's of, that kind of effect, right? Some kind of liquidy, yeah, yeah, and then lightning, lightning off, on the top of that. It's beautiful. Did that throwing back the uh, the questions okay. of fandom? Yeah, did that make you think Star Trek? A little bit, yes. That, that yeah, you right. A very Star Trekky thing of like ship in the center of the screen with
1: yeah. some spacey effect <laughs> around it. It's interesting how how a few bits of effects work here and miniature of, uh, work here is in fact on par with. I'm going to say on par with Star Trek TOS, because I think the special effects and the space effects in Star Trek TOS are generally better than the ones that we see here, at least so far. Yeah. But then other bits are almost as of from a different generation. I mean, that smoke effect is so incredible and lightning effect is so good that we get to see it twice. And clearly the BBC was very proud of that effect. Yeah. Because it looks, it is unparalleled among all the other special effects that we get to see here. Not thinking, not thinking about costume work or set design, but the actual special effects. The other bits, they stand out as, oh, they're cheap. Yeah. They're really, really cheap. They're very nicely done and they're very charmingly done. But when the spaceship lands on the asteroid, it looks like something, like, we could have made that, you know? Whereas the space effect with the lightning, I could not make that look that nice. Absolutely not. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's interesting. I wonder how many people are involved in this, or if they're, you know, are, are they bringing in new talent? Because there are two new showrunners, two new producers on this show now.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. This two. is episode two, that, episode two of that, or series two of Yeah, it's
1: the second. Serial. This is the first season that yeah, they're yeah. having. Right? Baker and what's his face? But it def- if not Baker, Baker Bob Baker, Baker Baker. Yeah, yeah. it
0: did, it did, it did have that feeling almost of a a season opener again in
1: yeah not necessarily
0: in content like storyline kind of wise, but. The fact that we have got K9 being introduced, yeah, which we we as historians know is going to go forward. That's true. And yeah, the, the slightly higher budget potentially, or at least attention to effects. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that you say that because this was the first one that they produced. Ah. So the, the last one that they produced was the Talents of Wang Chiang. Then came this, and then came, I want to, let me double check this. Yeah. Then came Horror Fang Rock. I see. So this is this is the thing that that new team worked on for the first time, that which makes way more sense. Does right? make a
0: lot of sense, yeah.
1: I wonder if maybe they expected this to be the first one that they did. Maybe that is the case, and then for some reason, horror of Fang Rock was aired earlier. I wonder if it if it was a late decision to to keep K nine in, but n- not as late as.
0: Like some people might, think I see it is. what you're saying. Yeah, and then it
1: would have worked because otherwise, canine they would have had to ham-fist an explanation at the very least. Canine is recharging in the dark.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting. It, it does reframe right? frame a lot of this because it definitely it had a sense about it that yeah. was beyond just the the second serial. You know.
1: Yeah, this is the well, oh, the, the new console as well. You know. Yeah, exactly. There was so much to kind yeah. of set things up in the serial with which they did open. We don't even get to see the interior of the TARDIS. We can no. see nothing. And it is, in fact, not a particularly characteristic Doctor Who serial. It's almost a bottle episode.
0: Yeah. It's one that, other than Canine. they could have quite happily switched around, actually. Yeah. But I feel like they, they must have just, at the last minute, written themselves into a corner. Oh, damn it, what are we going to do? Or maybe they were taking too long on on that gorgeous maybe. I- ink and lightning effect. And it's like, no, we've got to get it in there. You know what? I don't care. It was worth it. Yeah, It was worth waiting for. <laughs> So, how do you feel about the plot in general? So, like I said at the start, episode one, yeah, in particular, I was really enjoying this. I was thinking, "Oh, this is you know, this is a, a nice setup they've got going on here with a very quick invasion." Yeah, like people are turned into hosts for whatever this thing is straight away. They're yeah. going and murdering their colleagues. Exactly. Holy fuck! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is some real shit. Yeah, we've we've had some nice effects. We've had some weird effects. Sure. And I was I was like, yeah. Phew. And then the nucleus comes in.
1: Oh, interesting. So wait, so hang on. When you say then the nucleus comes into it, do you mean when we actually get to see the nucleus? Yeah. So when the nucleus has been enlarged, we're talking episode three.
0: Pretty much. I
1: think episode one and two, I, w- I was plot
0: wise, I guess even towards the end plot wise, it's not too bad, but it is just the enlargement of the nucleus, but it goes from the invisible enemy. Yeah. To the very all too visible enemy. <laughs> All too visible well really it's four. it's at the end of season uh, of episode three that we're increasing human size but even, I think even before then like we've we've done the inner space thing, okay, which has set things off track a bit like i I think okay. is that in, is that involving too many aspects of i think it's it's maybe that point I started thinking, oh yeah this oh now is another thing oh, okay, and, and then the, the nucleus gets big and it's like, oh, now we've got this, and oh my god, it looks terrible <laughs>
1: I loved the fact that we got an inner space fantastic voyage thing because it seemed like holy moly yet another thing is happening I'm so okay. excited it's incredible <laughs> I I think maybe it wasn't handled in the best possible way <laughs> but yeah. we can talk about that separately but in general I thought that was a a good way of then reversing that plot later on and you, using the magnification element of it you know turning this bacterium into a, a giant lumbering foe also massive amounts of complaints about that, but, <laughs> but I, I like that as a, as a concept. I love it. I like that there's a bacterium that, that is now large and interacting with the world in a different way. That's very interesting. Yeah, I don't... It is interesting. And having the nucleus in general... I'm sorry, No, I can just cut you off there, sorry. No,
0: I don't know where to go with it. Anyway. <laughs> <Okay>, you, <carry laughs> okay.
1: you asked me about Star Trek before. I was making another Star Trek reference in my head, namely to the Borg, where we have the Borg Queen... From Star Trek 8... No, actually, from Locutus of Bo- Oh, from that whole subplot, whatever, thing. There is a central consciousness. There is something leading the Borg. Yeah. And, I mean, the Borg are effectively zombies, right? But zombies in the public consciousness, they don't share a consciousness of their own. This allows them to do that. And it's nice to have a zombie plot... With an intelligence behind it. Yeah. And that's what we get here. So I like the fact that we get a nucleus. I just wish that it didn't look like something out of... Like, I'm pretty sure... You know in Love, actually, when the kids go on stage towards the end of Act 3? Like, I'm pretty sure one of the kids was wearing this outfit. <laughs> like, that's how amateurish it looked. I just don't understand why it looked so much like a shrimp. shrimp. yeah, because <laughs> it didn't look like a shrimp, but it was inside his brain. No, it was a ball with one claw and one eyeball.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I was getting weird red dwarf vibes again. Oh, really? There's there's this episode where there's the um, genetic engineered life form that impersonates. Basically, you see whatever you you want to see. Okay, most people see. An opposite sex person they're attracted to. Okay. But what it really looks like is a green blob with
1: one eye and a tentacle thing. That's exactly what we were seeing, yeah. It's basically Ah. that. Yeah, I don't know why because it changed appearance entirely when it grew.
0: Yeah, I think I could possibly. (laughs) or (laughs) Could have possibly got on board with a bit more if it was. I mean, effectively, we saw a human sized version of it because we had a small doctor stood next to it. Yeah. You know, we had a doctor there for scale, so that was the, the thing. Like, they didn't have to make another prop, obviously, because the doctor didn't shrink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that wasn't an actual micro. And the
1: same logic that applies to Doc and Leela as they are shrunken, and they, I mean, they don't change shape no, exactly. when they are, you know, reduced in size. Why would this thing change shape when it is increased in yeah. size? Yeah. But they,
0: they made another thing. I don't understand why they did Yeah, I that. don't know either.
1: And it's worse. <laughs> it's a lot worse, I agree. I I particularly find the arms flimsy. The fact that it has four claws and the lower two claws are clearly just (laughs) attached by strings to the the arms. (laughs) Which is why I'm saying it looks like a middle school production of something. I won't be surprised if
0: it's actually a kid, in it?
1: I don't know. I think it's large enough to be a grown-up. In fact, I wonder if it is... uh, What's his name? John Leeson. Because John Leeson voiced K-9 and the Nucleus. He did. So I wonder if I, maybe he's actually inside that outfit.
0: I have a vague feeling. In fact, I've just seen it on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Nucleus has another person credited. Ah, oh, okay. John Scott Martin. All right, well, there you go. Who operated Daleks, historically. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. And uh, in the future as well. Apparently, all the time was a Dalek operator. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, anyway, I just... <laughs> I don't get why it's a shrimp. All right. I... It, you, f- you, it feels like a must miss opportunity annoyingly as well, because the idea of it being a bit vulnerable and there's a kind of race for it to get to the place it needs to go to like yeah. i think is very poorly delivered and underdeveloped like they've they're helping it down the corridor literally kind of like picking it up by the arms almost because probably because the guy can't walk in the costume but they also kind of explain it away as you know this is a microbe that's been
1: blown up into I mean, the it's thing real... should die the second yeah. it's increased I mean, in it, size. It's just go like, I, I cannot survive in an atmosphere of this kind. I, I don't... Blowing up this one single cell of yeah. a brain is not... It's going to be an enormous amoeba in the end, you know? But I, It shouldn't have intelligence. I don't mind them doing a bit of hand wave
0: of... Fine. Meeting in the middle of... Right, but, know, it, but it it's should struggling. Yeah. It should explode. Well, like it's it's struggling to survive. Like they portray that a little bit. Like it's, sure, it's struggling to survive. Yeah, but I don't think they do it well enough. And I I don't think, given the costume, you give a shit
1: because it's still just a flimsy s- shrimp. Do you think the fact that it is okay, so a, a shrimp with claws? I mean, it's a, it's a crustacean. It is a shrimp. Another crustacean is a crab crab is cancer. This is a disease of sorts. Do you think that's the reference? Oh, well, we're just going to take another shellfish, effectively. And that's now, that's the baddie. So when we see it inside the brain, it's like a tumor, right? It's it's a ball. Yeah. And then it comes out into the world and all of a sudden it is a shellfish. Am I reaching here? I don't know. I feel like you're reaching. If okay, I, maybe I am. Well,
0: I feel like if that's what they're aiming for, I certainly didn't get it. i don't think I, I don't know if that's a intentional thing. No, to get it.
1: <laughs> no, it's fair. But I mean, I, I wonder if that's part of the reasoning behind it. I agree, though. They shouldn't. They shouldn't have. They, they didn't need to. Which
0: is a real shame. Like I say, because I th- I think the first two episodes hold up pretty well. I th- I think the way that the humans are taking over. Like we we joked about the eyebrow. Effect
1: yeah. being a bit comical, but actually it's done quite it well. It works. Like, it absolutely works. It's, it's like- only comical in on one occasion in in my view, and that is when Lo puts on the visor and pretends to still be good old Lo. Oh. <laughs> they go to the asteroids, and then he t- finally removes his visor or his you know sunglasses to reveal that he is an alien behind it. That's super duper naff. Yeah. but aside from that, it totally works. Yeah, And one of the screenshots that I had seen of this, by the way, was the doctor with all of that makeup on him, Ling on the, not the slab, but you know what I mean, yeah. the x-ray or machine bed. or whatever. Bed. Yeah. I mentioned Lo, you mentioned Star Wars. Yep. So we have, uh, is he an admiral? Is he a general? What is he? He's hes a member of the Empire, uh, high-ranking officer yeah. of some sort. I've
0: looked him up because I don't know his name. He appears in The Empire Strikes Back, and he is Admiral Zell. Okay
1: definitely very recognizable character regardless. Yeah. And we've seen him on Doctor Who before as well. In fact I recognized him as a Doctor Who actor before I realized, oh actually hang on, wait, I've seen him in something else as well his name is Michael Sheard and I think we've had this conversation on Who Back When before in fact, I think there's a picture of him in Star Wars or in Empire Strikes Back yeah. somewhere on com. He was in The Ark as Roz, The Mind of Evil as Dr. Roland Summers, Pyramids of Mars as Lawrence Scott. This is Lawrence Skarman. So we saw him super recently. We did? Yeah. I don't think I recognised him in the slightest. Now he's in The Invisible Enemy as low, we will see him again in Castrovalva, that's a legendary one, and then in Remembrance of the Daleks as the Headmaster.
0: Look up, Scarman. Oh, of course. Yes. We probably talked about it at the time. I'm confident.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's 100% him. So that's pretty cool. And uh, the reason everyone remembers him from Star Wars is because he gets choked.
1: Oh, yes, he's the guy. Yes, exactly.
0: Someone else from this serial we have seen before. Oh. I totally did not put together. Wait, who? Just trawling through, like, the actors that are in this.
1: Is it Tom Baker? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, wait, what? Yeah, Tom Tom Baker. Is it Professor Marius? It is Professor Marius. What have we seen him in before? So we have
0: seen him before in Planet of Evil. Mm. He was Professor Sorensen. And... On the way I would not Have guessed it Until Oh you got it On your screen I found I think there's One particular shot I think a lot of them He's So he's not wearing glasses He doesn't have A German accent A, a German accent <laughs> a And bit. The fa- facial hair Okay quite a, He's a bit Kind of unsheveled Okay He does have some facial hair But it's a bit, bit unkept Alright But it's just one with him looking quite straight to camera, which I apologize, podcast viewers, for the lack of... That's 100% him.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's totally him. Podcast Land, I'll put some comparison screenshots on the website. Also, you should go to our Planet of Evil review. You should. Yeah, because that was a good serial, and it was a fun review. And it even has a Psychedelic 70s teaser trailer for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so check that out.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't pick that up in the slightest until after I'd watched it and was looking people up oh, But very I, good. I liked him though Like, Yeah, to, me too To cover more of <laughs> what's actually happening in this episode <laughs> Yeah, we have a very prominent character that... When does he pop up actually? Is it
1: episode 2? Yeah, he shows yeah. up
0: when they get to the hospital asteroid thing So halfway through the first half of episode 2, I guess I uh, yeah. yeah, I guess so and then, yeah, he's probably the next important character. Yeah, he's he's effectively the companion of the week. Yeah, you could say. And he's the, he's the crazy professor. Yeah, he's... character <laughs> as well thrown in. And yeah,
1: I super liked him. I loved him. I, he was comical. He was ingenious. He was clever. Yada yada yada. Are we offended by the stereotype or? No, what? There's a German professor. Just the... I mean, he do- he doesn't human centipede doc while doc is on the slab. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything offensive about this. I, I didn't think there was. I just I just wanted to. I think this is similar to... Do you remember when we had um, a whole crew of South African astronauts in uh, the Sontaran experiment? Oh, yeah. I want to say they were South African.
0: You know what? I can't remember. But it, it was something where I thought the accent was made up and it turned out they it were Turned real. out they were actually South... Yeah. yeah.
1: And the idea being that in the future, like, why not? Languages evolve and whatever. So either it's that... Or it's a case of, screw it, we're in the future. I mean, there will be Germans and English people and Spanish people and Italians and everyone somewhere in space, right? Like, why not? This is kind of early days or mid-days of um, spreading out. Yeah, the great expansion or whatever he refers to it as, yeah. However, uh, the reason I'm getting onto the language thing is that there is another aspect of this that I kept. I took a whole bunch of screenshots this, during oh, while watching this. This is what I was going to segue to as oh, well. Oh, go think. for it, go for it, go for it.
0: No, no, you, you carry on your your thought process, my
1: <laughs> friend. So I, I I took a few screenshots of this, and I'll pop them on whobackwhen.com as well. And and then in fact, it's I found it in the trivia. It's mentioned as I want to say Finglish. Okay. Here are the screenshots that I took. The isolation ward where isolation is spelled S H U N, isolation ward. Yeah. The emergency exits where exit is E G S I T. There was something yeah. about emergency as well, which is not in my screenshot. I had not noticed that, but that was mentioned in the trivia that that is also misspelled in some way oh, or yeah. phonetically spelled. I, I didn't notice. Uh, the shuttle airlock where shuttle has one T. Uh, The Schuttle airlock This follows a sort of great tradition Of spelling in the future May just be a little bit different Which first was noticed on When, anyway In, can't remember what the episode is called now It's the one with the draconians Look it up on Hubekwen.com, podcast (laughs) lands. There's a screenshot there in fact Of a news report from the city of Tokyo Where Tokyo is spelled T-O-K-I-O Oh wow And I think this is the same concept It, It sounds like it See, I always look at them
0: for two reasons. Okay. So, one, because I spotted spotted the emergency exit during episode one, like halfway through episode one. I don't know if there were ones preceding that. It's the first one I wrote down. Okay. But before that, I had noticed that they are using a horrible, I'm doing air quotes, Uh space font (laughs) everywhere.
1: And it's just insanely bad. It's the same font, regardless of where they are, by the way. it
0: it seems to be humankind has just adopted
1: one font and it's illegible (laughs) it's the isolation wards and then hang on exits yeah and while i'm at it looking at screenshots here's a screenshot of canine shooting a dude in the balls (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) thanks also on com podcast land
0: (laughs) yeah i I forget where the worst culprits were because the screenshots you've got that are possibly the only ones that will be up on who back when are mostly legible there there's some of them where the extension of the t- of the top of the character in in kind of sliding fashion is just to the extreme it's like most of the characters have got a normal kind of cap on yeah and this has got the hat of mr tall <laughs> Yeah, I was was just thinking it might be the levels in the medical station, where it's like level 2X and level 5X, (laughs) where I was staring at it. Like, it's the largest text we probably see in the entire serial. And I'm staring at it going, is that an X? Or is that meant to be a weird 8 or something? Like... (laughs) And does the, not help anyone. And then the reception lady, who she is like, says like level four X. It was like, oh, okay, this is just how you number things, is it? that's yeah. a bit weird.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Imagine if one of those future people reverse Brendan Fraser into our time, and that person saw the way that we label floors in a department store or something. <laughs> that person would just go, "What? Where's the X?" It's possible. Yeah, don't be so quick to judge. <laughs> I don't mind
0: it at all, really. I just find it a bit odd. Sure. Just how much of it <laughs> was in particular. Like, it's not just that we're going to do a weird spacey font. It's not just that we're going to do this thinglish. Yeah. It's not that we're going to make levels go 2x, 3x, 5x. It's that they just did
1: everything. <laughs> but that is part of what I love about this serial. Yeah. It's that it is all over the place. You know what I do as well? There you go. I'll stop writing oh, about I'm it. I'm glad. <laughs> What's the deal with this hospital, Outpost or whatever it is? Is it just a random hospital on an asteroid? Is it strategically placed between things? Is it close enough to Titan that it actually doubles as a medical bay for the base on Titan? Like, why is there a, an asteroid with a hospital in it?
0: This is the bit where I switched my brain off and decided to keep it switched off because I was enjoying myself. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) I think I I missed how they described where this medical station was. Okay.
1: It seems like it's relatively close to Tyson.
0: Yeah, I totally didn't want to think about how Leela just manages to get away I know Lowe's being a double agent and stuff, yeah. but like in amongst what the shit is going on, I mean, purely the transition from Titan base to the hospital, mm-hmm. it just happens very quickly, very easy, of just like, oh yeah, I know a place. We're going to take him off where we are now. To
1: the nearest hospital. To get a, get into a shuttle, go over here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This seems like a huge hospital. They have an eye hospital wing. They have... It- one secretary or like one administrative person in charge of everything <laughs> who then disappears it seems and leela takes her outfits or like who know i don't know how that works but they have quite extensive security staff there and professor marius has a laser gun on his robot dog but and here's the but he needs to utter this sort of Manchurian candidate trigger phrase to K-9, for K-9 to go berserk. Yeah. It's uh, kaleli he says to K-9, I've written down. And then, that then precedes K-9 going out and lasering some dude's nuts. Why is that? Is this perhaps the reason why he can't take K-9 back to Earth? Is the fact that K-9 is weaponized not entirely above board? It would be totally plausible. Definitely. And what does that tell you about Professor Marius? Well... I don't know if this is what tells me about
0: Professor Marius. A little bit. Okay. But my immediate reaction to this has... Well, beyond the... What the fuck? What did he just say? Rewind. Yeah. Make note. Yeah. <laughs> and then forget to look up said note. Is because we're on a base... Is it a base? Yeah. On Titan, which is a... It's not on Titan. Oh, wait. Oh, this, sorry. This like, is sorry, an This, this yeah. is... Okay. Sorry. All right. Even further removed. Like, yeah, we're... We're in a medical station on an asteroid. Yeah, possibly orbiting Titan, which is a moon of Saturn. Saturn, I think. Yes. So Titan only has a base. Yeah. This medical station exists on an asteroid. Yeah. We know that humanity is kind of spreading out into the rest of the solar system. Sure. My head is going wild west. This is a oh, new I front, like it. new frontier. Yeah. People are but out this there. Is pretty-
1: Sophisticated for a Wild West well, style outpost. Obviously, technology has moved on, but well, not just that. In terms of infrastructure, like I mean, in terms of lots of people coming together from, I mean, this this is evidence of high level collaboration between, like, on a political level. But is it? Well, I mean, we're very far
0: removed from what we currently have, so
1: the idea that
0: collaboration is hard might have gone away for a start. Okay, yeah, that's you know. true. But you just said like, there's one receptionist. There is an eye department, but. There's one guy that goes into it, or I can't even remember if it was a woman or a man, actually, that goes to see... It's, a, it's, it's a dude. Okay. And
1: when... A, when a are s- the 70s. Female doctor, are you kidding me? <laughs> fair point, fair point. <laughs> a lady doctor. <laughs> this really is science fiction. <laughs> I'm speaking for 70s BBC podcast land. Yes. Don't write me any yes. emails.
0: But we, <laughs> we have the incident with the shuttle crushing, crashing in later yeah it knocks out an entire floor the entire station
1: shakes yeah the red cross on the asteroid is broken oh really yeah oh okay. <laughs>
0: But the extent of it is like a bit of rubble, and the people that we have already interacted with are the ones that are, are at the scene. And, you know, there's there no extra cast to come in. Like, but this might, might just be down to limitation of. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think it is. Getting it, uh, the actors in rather than implying that it's a larger thing. But I, yeah. I kind of got the feeling, actually, this isn't a massive facility. Oh, okay. Because there aren't that many people
1: out there. And also the spaceship that is parked outside is roughly half the size of the hospital yeah, itself. Like yeah. yeah. No, that that those are all fair points. So I I'm getting it
0: like these these are yeah, they're not modern because they 'cause they're they're in the future from us. But they're more advanced, you know, frontiers people. Yeah. And consequently, they feel the need to arm themselves because there are obviously people out there that have the wild west vibe of just I'm going to state my claim here and you're not going to stop me,
1: maybe. That's fair. That's very fair.
0: Or maybe it's just what the society is. I don't know. But there is definitely an underlying thing that, yeah, having weaponry out there is the done thing. Everyone is armed. The The crew that goes to relief the other crew, they all have guns. So that they're, they're going to Titan base That's with true. guns.
1: This is where in the very beginning, when the three now infected spacemen... Yeah. They take the guns off the wall-mounted rack, and the guns are all placed in such a way that they are pointing directly at the person picking up the gun. Oh, really? It is the least practical gun rack ever. Like, you basically have to pick it up by the trigger, and it is pointing (laughs) at you. So many people died. I didn't notice that. But I like that as a a description of it. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense, however, is that we have this Manchurian candidate trigger phrase, which then is not needed anymore. Because presumably, K9 is already set up to follow Marius's orders, right? Yeah. So it's not even that you need a trigger phrase just in case anyone else might get an idea. Like, you don't want a psychotic nurse suddenly going, K9, kill the professor. The professor wants to avoid that, so he has a trigger phrase. But then he just says, canine, now you obey the doctor. He goes, yeah, yeah, yes, you are my master. And then the doctor never has to say Kalele.
0: Well, maybe you have to say "lilake" to turn it off again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe he's just stuck in allowed to attack mode. Okay, I like that.
1: How about we take away from the hospital to what they actually do at the hospital, namely the Fantastic Voyage subplots? Ooh. I love that they play around with the spatial dimension here. They take an element of the time and relative dimensions in space and transpose that onto a seemingly built-for-purpose hospital closet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of rewiring that goes on. It's no. like, click. It's USB just... compatible. It's like, click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about how it is executed? The shrinkage? Uh-huh. The... Uh-huh. <laughs> the professor's just like <laughs> stumbling in trying not to step on them. <laughs> I mean they must be m- microbial in size. They go and yeah. um just as large as a microbe. I have no idea what he
0: sucks up with that syringe. Exactly.
1: I mean, is it did when when Doc and Leela went into that closet, did they just stand inside gigantic- a gigantic petri dish <laughs> and then everything got <laughs> shrunken down? <laughs> and then he just sucked up what was in that petri dish and why why does the pressure of them being pulled into a an enormous syringe for them not just rip them apart i don't know
0: you know what i loved it i I loved it too (laughs) like it see it twice because it's at the end of the episode and the start of the next one and the second time around i was kind of i I think the last time i was kind of making notes and maybe missed a little bit so when it's repeated at the start of episode two episode three sorry three you know, I, I watched it all very carefully, and I—I I was watching him just bend down with his syringe and just so. <laughs> so I was like, okay, nope, there was nothing else. <sighs> There was no kind of explanation on how they were going to get into the series. Don't need it. No, nope. Don't just, need it. Just, that's what's happened. Okay. Uh,
1: and at the start of episode three, we're just going to have Doc and Leela twirl each other around in front of a green screen <laughs> yeah. while we see some water in the background. I love it. It's so incredibly good. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. I also enjoy that they, even though it is Far from an adequate explanation. They try to ham-fist an explanation for this by having Leela ask, why are we not wet? And Doc says, we are too small to break the surface tension.
0: I didn't quite understand what they were talking about at that second. I, I, I heard the, the throwaway line of, we're too small to break the surf- surface tension. Yeah. But I think the problem with that is, we never had an explanation of why they would be surrounded by liquid. Because yeah. the syringe is full of liquid when he it is syringe is the real size. Surely doctor.
1: they still need o- oxygen, right? Even though they're small, they now need a very small amount of oxygen.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to attempt to pick this apart from a biological level because
1: I'm pretty sure it's all nonsense. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work. (laughs) But okay, fine. So now they are injected into the dude's brain (laughs) and they're just walking around up lovely
0: ramps that (laughs) are really easy to walk around. (laughs) It's just like a corridor.
1: Yeah, you, you just go left past the slightly scarred It's like a ghost tissue. tunnel. It's like a ghost tunnel at a fun fair. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting timing, I think, because the next episode that we're going to be reviewing on Who Back When is a new episode, namely Into the Dalek. Oh, yeah. In which the Doctor and his you know, from where we are now, future companion, are both shrunken down and effectively injected into another life form. It's... And they also have to encounter antibodies of a sort, even though they're mechanical ones.
0: Yeah, very true. It's, I mean, it's a incredibly popular it is, thing yeah. to do yeah. in fiction. So, you know, we've mentioned Fantastic Voyage, which I think I have seen. I don't, I don't know particularly well. I you know what?
1: I don't think I have. Well. I think I've only seen Inner Space.
0: I've definitely seen bits of it. Like maybe it's been on, on a Sunday afternoon. And oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, Inner Space is the one. I, I Yeah, I, d- I definitely know that as well. So that's that's 87. Okay. And they're there's still... So 10 years later, they still want still to do this it. idea. Yeah. Fantastic Voyage is 66. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the first... Probably not. ...thing that ever did it as well. You know, it's it's not a unique idea... People love to keep doing it as well, yeah. And yeah, they they have a little play of it here. Why not? It's fun. It, it is. It, it really is. It is like I say. It's it's the point where I start kind of thinking. Oh right, okay. Where did this come from? Uh, you know, I thought we were just slowly taking over humans and in an invisible fashion, as the title led me to believe. Yes. <laughs> Now now the Doctor's come up with a solution where he needs to clone himself and
1: then shrink himself to put him in himself. They clone themselves, but this also clones their clothing and Leela's knife, which at the end, when they go, poof, we're gone, she leaves her knife inside his head. Yeah. Her knife is there and his scarf is there. Is and... there a wig in there as well? Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. i se- seen some hair or something. Ugh, uh, gross. Well, I never... <laughs> but there's a knife in there. There's a very sharp object and it doesn't matter how small it is. There is a knife inside the doctor's brain right now. It's like having a little needle inside your head. Yeah. Surely that is not safe. A bit of shrapnel. Yeah, he's gonna, like, at one point he's gonna just, you know, nod his head and die. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's probably
0: not that bad. Okay, maybe not, but still. It is weird. I don't, and it's not explained either. Why, why are a few random things left behind? Yeah. I, in fact, I, the whole exit from the inner space land, I didn't understand in the slightest. Because either I wasn't paying enough attention, or we see the nucleus like get killed, explode. I don't know. It it kind of disappears. There's now just like a little mark where it was.
1: Yeah, and it's it Doctor
0: and Leela disappear.
1: Doug and Leela disappear because their clones have a finite uh, lifespan. Yeah, of ten minutes or something. So that, that c- they can be separate things. Sure. The it is- seems as though the fact that clone Leela is in there allows. Real doctor, quote unquote, large doctor, to will the nucleus out through his tear duct because he goes like tear duct, tear duct, tear duct, and then he cries out of the nucleus. But how? Yeah, th- out of his brain because yeah. that's where tears originate. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like we've just like I'm happy to ignore like the fact that they're tiny people inside a brain. That are just it's just nonsense. But you've made <laughs> you've made your own. Rules. Yeah, they've had a journey. Correct. For a reason. From well, we we see it in, injected in the neck. In the neck. So the gone thing from is inside the, the brain. To the
1: brain. Yeah. They've Which, by the way, a that's a, get a get tremendous there. distance to traverse. If yeah. you're microbial, that's an incredible distance. And that's they're, like a they're, week's travel. Yeah. Within ten minutes, they have gone into the, like past the bridge between one half of the brain and the other. It's like, yeah. What?
0: Maybe maybe they. Rode some of the, the flying pillows for a while. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Which we don't get to see. No, we don't get to see that. But anyway, so but they've at least established that they, they had to journey from this point to that point. Mm-hmm. They had an exit plan. Yep. As Always a, have an exit strategy. As a lot of these stories do. I, I'm pretty sure every shrinking a person into another person story. There is an exit. There's a way to get to the exit. And that's part of the story. You have to journey out as well. You have to get yeah. out of it somehow. Absolutely. And it just seems that they ran out of time and they just went, ah, oh, shit, we've got to get him out there. Yeah. Doc just imagines Willed him out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> imagines crying and suddenly they've gone from the brain and into
1: the <laughs> tear ducts. <laughs> That's Bullocks. true. Do you think that at this point, the just the way that people envision a fantastic voyage is so, it, it's so incredibly entrenched in the public consciousness that you all you have to show is one of those antibody pillow fights? And the audience then pieces it together as in, oh yeah, but wait, we know the rules. We know how this works because we saw this in the cinema 10 years ago. I guess maybe there is a little bit of, I don't know. There's a, I can't finish that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing is that when he cries out the nucleus, Lo is there as is Marius and Marius has now been infected and Lo's immediate assumption is that what he's cried out is the Doctrine Leela. And Lohr just goes, destroy them now. Destroy them! Destroy them now! And Marius is the one who goes, no, no, we need to increase them in size and interrogate them. Oh, yeah. If Lord had had his will, they would have killed the Nucleus right then and there. Very true. Hmm. Which is weird, because... Wouldn't the nucleus be able to communicate to
0: them? They've been listening to the nucleus all this time. Yeah. I guess maybe it's under a bit of distress. It had. Because the doctor does something. Does the doctor shoot
1: it? Oh, does he?
0: Oh, maybe he does. Because this is why I, I was very confused that it kind of got cried out in the end. It was like, oh, yeah. I kind of felt like the nucleus had been shot, the clones had expired, uh-huh. and then suddenly something's being cried out. I was like, oh, what the hell's that? Oh, it's the nucleus. What? Okay, I'm very confused. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm still a bit confused. I, I feel like I probably should have rewatched that scene to, to get it, but...
1: I also wonder if that means that Lord doesn't know that the clones are temporary because by the way they clone low as well and send him into the brain but they then kill low oh sorry the the antibodies kill low well leela gives him a good stabbing oh that's true yeah yeah she stabs him but he he is alive when the antibodies yeah finish him off oh yeah yeah and then so so maybe low doesn't know that these clones are temporary he thinks that actually they're gonna these are now new people maybe it's possible, Because otherwise, he'd go like, fuck it, it's been ten minutes. We yeah. don't even have to destroy them. Just wait. Just wait a minute. That's not even the real Doctor. In fact, the real Doctor is in front of us on a slab. Yeah.
0: Like, the real Doctor doesn't actually get that reaction from Lou. The real true. Doctor gets to
1: talk. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm going to throw you into brainers. the weird... Come, silo on Titan. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Lowe's reaction. But th- that's another thing. So, I mean, the clones being temporary, it's super interesting because my first reaction was why do these clones, like, why are they so complacent? Why does neither one of them go, screw this, I'm off to the brothels on Neptune? You know, they immediately just embrace their fates. But then I realized it's because they share the same thought pattern. It's You know what it is? It's, um, oh, this is going to be a massive spoiler for 15 years ago. Wait. <laughs> oh, no. I'm looking at you with, with skeptical eyes because there are a few occasions. It's fine. Just, just say the name of the thing. The Prestige? Oh, that's no, fine. Have you seen it? It's awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, Podcast Land, if you've seen The Prestige, then you will know what I'm referring to. In The Prestige, there is that element of, you know, yeah. where are you going to wake up, right? And it's possible that this can be applied to the clones here, that a clone just opens his eyes or her eyes, if it's Leela, but like, let's say Doc's clone opens his eyes, Lo's clone opens his eyes and only remembers before closing his eyes, he was actually over there being Lo. you know? Yeah. And I all mean- of a sudden it's just, oh, well I'm the same person. It's multiplicity with Michael Keaton. Oh, I don't know that one. It's, it's a good one. It's fun. Yeah.
0: I think Lowe, you can explain because he's under the control of the swarm. That's true. So it's, well, I guess we're assuming that whatever the swarm is is cloned as well. It's, it's a, still under It's the a control. joint
1: shared consciousness of some sort. So Yeah. Maybe it's like cloning an arm to the swarm.
0: Yeah. Doc you can kind of understand cuz the doc would just get it. Yeah. I, I've got to do this thing. It doesn't matter if I expire in 10 minutes. Yeah. There's another doc would just get the bigger picture thing somehow. Leela I guess would be the question. It's like
1: why how'd, is she so cool about this? Yeah,
0: how would Leela get on board with the idea of being a clone of herself? Maybe it's, it's key that real Leela... Is quotes, outside of the room. Is, yeah, is not in the room. Yeah, that's true. So she's just on board with the idea of being shrunk.
1: But she's then perfectly happy to die. When they're inside the brain, I'm sure clone Leela says something to the effect of we should use our time more wisely. We only have X minutes left. Oh, really? I think so. Uh, okay. Maybe I'm imagining that, maybe or misremembering that, but I feel like she is well aware of the fact that she's going to die.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, they, they don't beat about the bush with it. Like, they, everyone seems to treat these clones as expendable things, yeah. even though they're, like, sentient life forms. It's,
1: it's the worst possible thing. I mean, the professor who's presumably taken a Hippocratic oath is just like, I mean, it's a parlor trick. Yeah, sure, we'll <laughs> do that, and then we'll watch a, li- a living creature just die terribly yeah. <laughs> in a puff of smoke. Yeah. But I wonder if maybe in Leela's case, there's also that element, sort of that Klingon mentality from Star Trek of maybe today is a good day to die. You know, she if she's going to go out, she's going to go out like a warrior with yeah. honor. And maybe that's not so bad a thing to
0: I think you could probably explain it away that way. I mean, that is that is the reason the Doctor decides to shrink her and take her yeah, that's true. on that yes, voyage.
1: you're right. Exactly.
0: He wants her hunter and her instincts, which again become a big factor in the storyline. Yeah,
1: true. She has this sense whatever it is. Yeah, I made a note of that as well. I can't remember what she says that she can hear or oh, sorry feel she does say "I, I she feels something, something something specific I think she can feel the presence I think of of evil oh, the, and, oh. she, and she hears the voice she hears the voice communicated
0: and says that's not a human voice
1: you're right yes you're right she is far more intuitive and perceptive than either we've given her credit for before or the plots have even explained I think there's always been something there.
0: Definitely. She's always had a scent. Sometimes it's being portrayed perhaps as like a hunter's instinct of just like training and yeah. kind of like knowing your prey sort of thing. But yeah, we're starting to get it where it's definitely a, almost supernatural because we haven't got an explanation for it. Yeah, it's, it's a sixth sense. I don't it's know.
1: like a warrior instinct, Zena warrior princess level. I've never watched Zena. I'm assuming she has the swords of instinct. I don't know.
0: I, you know what? Strike that. I watched loads of Zena. I actually can't oh, really? remember if she has anything <laughs>
1: like that. She just kicks <laughs> a lot of ass. She does. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there is another thing, actually. Those clones, I've written down, they are linked to their originals, in a way. Yes. So they can sort of hear and feel feel what the real. pain of the host, definitely. Isn't there like a thing, Leela injures her leg, and then her counterpart also feels the pain in her leg?
0: Yeah, I I forget the exact instance of what happens, but yeah, Yeah. definitely the clone feels the physical pain. Exactly, right.
1: Okay. So we have t- we've talked about a bit of Titan part 1 we've talked about the hospital we've talked about the brain we haven't talked about titan part two and the culmination of all these plot lines as in the swarm on titan for titan part two what do they call it the the nest yeah maybe i can't remember it's something the, to that effect the breeding yeah. ground exactly they, they're going to spawn
0: which, which i don't know what you thought of the scale of things but given that this is a virus that's yep. microbial yeah we then see a picture of things that i took to be Humongous balls, yeah, in goo,
1: yeah. If I mean, they're described almost as though they were eggs, but they're clearly not eggs because this is still a virus, or you know, I mean, these are bacteria. Maybe these are cells, but you know, blown up in size. Cells is probably the wrong word. I'm not a biologist, but I mean, they're they're microbes, just enormous, so enormous that they fill a whole silo. Yeah, because this thing on Titan is some sort of industrial plant, right?
0: You know what, actually, I never even questioned what this base I don't think they ever was. explained what it no. is, frankly.
1: But it, it must be, because why else would there be these enormous sort of cement vats?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. They decided this was a suitable place to have a breeding ground. To anyway. breed, yeah. yeah.
1: I have so many problems with the culmination of the cereal. Problem number one. The fact that these are now enormous beings as opposed to microbes is in fact it's the best thing that could possibly happen it means effectively the end of the species of the swarm
0: as they can't actually invade other they can't do anything again
1: no they're now stuck on this planet and as long as they don't have spaceships I mean they're gonna turn into other shrimp creatures they're not gonna they're gonna be stuck on this rock I mean this is why
0: I, I feel like they fucked up showing the egg like things mm-hmm Because it it really looked like you were looking through a window and then it was just full of big balls. Yeah. Whereas... There was a discount on balloons that week. (laughs) (laughs) If they had somehow just left it to our imagination or fudged someone in there with a microscope, kind of looking at what what was in that room, you know, someone... Some security camera has a you know really good zoom lens, yeah, <laughs> or whatever, and it's like, yeah, it's full of the virus. It's just a every real single one of those of virus.
1: In, does every single one of those little balls contain another shrimp, or does it? Because if that's the case, also that's not particularly scary because that shrimp couldn't walk around on its own either. No, like it's not going to travel out into space. It's not going to be able to maneuver a spaceship, even if it had a spaceship, which it does not have. They are stuck on this rock. But is are all these balls? full of something else? Are they full of a version of the, the swarm that is now born in and consequently adapted to the the macro world? See, I didn't take anything
0: from the fact that the nucleus got blown from micro to macro to change the original plot. And I always understood the original plot to be just carrying on the virus and taking on more okay. hosts. It's only that they...
1: But they don't need to. Change how the- are they going to infect hosts now? They're gigantic.
0: No one's going to it. Well, the, them. no, this is, this is what I, I feel is at odds with that, but I don't think it was meant to be able to I, I feel like, the, unless I miss something, I feel like the plot didn't change. Like, the motivation for yeah, the I virus don't think you, didn't change. Yeah, I don't change. think you missed anything. I, I think they were meant to still be a virus. I think they fucked up that we see a large nucleus okay. that is now a stupid shrimp thing, and we see a picture of what looked to be giant eggs, but we are being continually told that they are still a virus, and they're going to still... Oh, Affects humanoid hosts and they're gonna oh i see it. and there because because there isn't anything through dialogue or other action it's only visual things that's true that says that that's changed and i yeah i totally agree with you that the ending is fucked up i think it's just in my head for slightly different reasons why it's fucked up
1: i think you're absolutely right i hadn't considered that but i think you're absolutely right and i don't think that they clarify that in the in the episode. Here's another thing that is completely screwed up in part four. We have a whole subplot whereby the the presence of Professor Marius is justified... By having him develop an antiserum mm. Do they use this antiserum? No They go to Titan in order to administer this antiserum In order to effectively poison this species That's yeah. what they're going to do They're going there to poison a whole species Which is so undoctor-like It is pretty dreadful And instead, he ends up blowing them all up And laughing about it Which is also pretty undoctor-like and dreadful.
0: Yeah, I, I think, A, I agree with your summing up. B, I wasn't sure if Lena's original plan was slightly different. That's I I why I missed it a bit. Because they don't even mention the antivirus towards the end. No. So I was kind of trying to fathom it, out, fathom it out as I was watching it, and I kind of felt that the doctor was going there with the cure mm-hmm. to neutralise the nucleus. okay. And whatever viral elements were around Okay But we still have Star Trek ink and lightning thing in space Oh that's true We have more of the swarm Which So th- now mankind is inoculated Or can inoculate well, themselves to- I think I think the doctor was basically saying You know I'm not going to wipe out an entire species Because that's That's not what I do But I'm going to Kill this whole
1: planet worth of spe- Of the species <laughs> yeah. Or this whole city let's say Worth of I think, the
0: species I think the main thing was The, the nucleus He was like Well oh, I'm going to kill this thing Because it's he It's also changed it's, it's dangerous fire
1: to everyone, including the kids. This is the um, Rachnos all over again. The Rachnos and her kids being burned alive yeah. by the Doctor. Here, the Doctor burns or the either just about to hatch or just hatch nuclei yeah it's also
0: what he does with the Daleks as well isn't it the...
1: also the Daleks yes exactly in Genesis yeah yeah
0: but I, I, I think that his original plan was yeah I'm gonna use the virus to do this but there's still the swarm out there which I'm gonna let live okay And that, but then for no reason I, I can recall he takes Lila's approach of blowing shit up but it's yeah. it's the same thing though it's, it's still it's killing everything that's on Titan it's not not addressing the fact that the swarm still lives out in space.
1: That's true. But he does also, I mean Marius is the one who devises the antivirus, right? And Marius is still out there. He's not on Titan. He's somewhere else. So possibly Marius having created this antivirus and returning to Earth and so on. Is going to disseminate a cure For this infection Yeah So that that space cloud thing Is de facto harmless going forward
0: Yeah I think, At least to humans I think that's the big plan I, I think it's just The way they present Like Doc wants to kill this thing With but, an antidote
1: But Marius gives him the box
0: Yeah but you know He goes there And he, that's his intention Okay And then he changes And he
1: Goes I'm gonna rig I'm up
0: gonna, a a yeah, trap I'm gonna make a tripwire Yeah <laughs> That it explodes the shit out of everything. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's a big
0: deal in the sense that Doc is blowing shit up. Yes, it's a big deal in the sense that Doc kind of enjoys it. Yeah. But it's not a big deal in the outcome of kind of like
1: destroying no, life. No, that's, that's true. He was going to destroy that. That's true. But there's a, So I made a note of a line of Leela's in part four, which is, I found the answer, knife them in the neck. Oh, that was lovely. It's a fantastic line. <laughs> it's it's such a Leela line. But I wrote that down because it, it seemed at odds with what the doctor stands for. Because so far, in fact, when the antivirus has been administered, so to speak, it has saved the infected human. There was at least potential to save Lo, to save all the other chaps on Titan.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't even try. Does no, not even true. try they kill all of them and then there no longer being any humans around he kills the the balls and the shrimp i don't know it feels like what he did is the doctor equivalent of knife them in the neck
0: <laughs> there was uh something in that knife them in the neck scene which I, I i couldn't kind of place in my head at the time but there's there's a bit in the lord of the rings films uh-huh. i forget if it's the second one or the third one where gollum is around kind of fishing in a pool yeah and faramir has his rangers around and we're gonna kill him and Frodo looks at him and we see we see a shot of Gollum basically catching a fish I think he's got it in his mouth and then he bashes um, it against a rock he does a bit himself, of bashing yeah. but there's there's a, a brief point where Gollum looks kind of cute like, yeah <laughs> like he's like a, a puppy kind of like with yeah with something in his mouth and Frodo spares him and all this. And I don't know, It's just something about the way Leela is kind of like, I've I've worked it out, you stab him in the neck. Like, it's, it's a horrendous thing. <laughs> but it's, so, it's but, so playful. But we're kind of looking at it as this playful situation. And Doc, as well, is not really taking it seriously now. He's he's kind of, in that scene, it seems like he's given up, almost. Like he, I, think, I think he might make a, an odd kind of gesture of, well, you really shouldn't do that, Leela. <laughs> stabbing in the neck, bad. <laughs> but it, it's not really to the level that he's done in the past and it's just that's true he practically saw it as well like he's
1: i think he did i think it's right it's in front of him yeah. effectively
0: and probably could have prevented it i don't you know it's just at this point he's there's basically no excuse for his companion's behavior like he's choosing to travel with someone that kills people yeah like that that's what it is it yeah yeah that's a hundred percent true and she kills a lot of people tons so many people. <laughs> and so so we, we've been talking about her outfits. Yeah. And so the last two series, I think it was? Yeah, we, had, we were
1: or? saying this is the last time, well, Trivia was saying this is the last time that she's going to don other clothing. Yeah. So we've gone through the period
0: where she wears anything other than her skins. Yeah. And now she's... So she's gone. She's gone to. What did we get? We got. Uh, well,
1: she's at in Fang Rock. She was a dress, she, for and a then of, she yeah. changes to a sweater.
0: A lot of it, she's wearing the the man's clothing. Yeah. Previous to that, she was what Victorian outfit, or isn't
1: that what she wears at the McKenzie. start of Fang Rock? Anyway. Oh no, you're right. In um,
0: the Talons, Talons of Wang Chang. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we were looking at that as kind of like, oh, how can they put her back into her savage costume? And I wonder if they upped her violence in this serial to almost justify... You're right. That's a good point.
1: Though she does, at one point, wear something else here. She does, true, actually. She does a bit of undercover work. Yeah, exactly. Even applies makeup. Yeah. To absolutely no end. Like, what's the point of her doing that? It's as though she's going to do some serious, heavy-duty infiltration work, and then we cut immediately to her having succeeded... We don't get to see her, you know, be accepted by anyone. No one looks at her makeup and... Yeah. I'm, mean, I, I, You know what? I'm fine with it. This is a non-complaint, but it's odd that we spend so much time on seeing her put on different clothes, apply makeup carefully, meticulously in order to blend in as though she's been infected. But then somehow she gets away with not being able to communicate telepathically with everyone else and she just wheels the doctor away. Yeah, I guess... But that's back uh, on the hospital planet, by the way. Yeah. That's back at the hospital. So, you know what? I don't understand why we have to go from the hospital to Titan. I don't understand why the swarm absolutely wants to settle on Titan. The hospital seems much better equipped for this. I mean, A, they're going to give birth to a bajillion new lives. Do it in a hospital. That seems like the ideal place. Yeah. You, in fact, you even have cloning facilities in the hospital. Use that. Clone oh, yourself. Make more of yourself. Cool. Make them even bigger <laughs> like you know it, something use that more but instead, they, they go to... Uh, we get that scene of they're in the spaceship, beautiful interior of the spaceship, by the way, the cockpits, and the shrimp in the, in the back seat just going like, faster, faster, faster! <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, is... I, I'm about to spawn, which, by the way, I don't mind telling you, that is the exact opposite of my reaction when I'm about to spawn. <laughs> but, so they head on over to <laughs> Titan where, next step, yeah, we're going to take you to some calm silo on Titan and shove you into a booth where we even get to see him wobble and... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) clearly just violently splooge buckets full (laughs) in some sort of glory hole booth as well why why do they stick him in a booth up until that point they've always had to hold his arm but then it's like no no this is private time fellas (laughs) yeah we're not getting involved with that (laughs) yeah yeah. put him in the glory hole booth (laughs) and then he's just there we even get that scene where he's just like oh guys (laughs) sorry Ugh, it's incredibly erotic. Sorry, I feel like I talked over you there. I apologise. What struck me is
0: it's weird that this is set up, not the come booth. Okay. That is not set up. That yeah. comes out of nowhere. Hey The When the spaceship crew come to Titan base, yeah. now regretting saying come every time. Keep going. <laughs> They look at a map of the station and they pinpoint this would be the place to have the nest or I, f- I forget if that's the term they use. I think it might be the nest. I think it well, might be hive. Right. Maybe they use hive. Hive. Yeah. hive, you're right, you're right. Like they p- they pick the center of the facility. Yeah. And go, "Yep, that'll that'll do. He can sludge in there." <laughs> But you're right. Like once we move away from this space and go to the medical facility, it seems very nonsensical to go back.
1: The medical facility is a place that's going to be visited by more people. Exactly. It has a landing bay. It seems so much better equipped to be a base from which to start the, you know, the excursion into the far reaches of space.
0: I mean, I guess there could be the argument that the Titan base is secluded and it can slowly go more secure, maybe. Yeah, but again, we don't get any of this. We get a wobbly shrimp going.
1: Oh, I'm gonna splurge. <laughs> Calm, quick, everywhere! Quick, 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 get me to get my me a room. silo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so the thing left on my plate really is the Doctor himself, I suppose. Okay. I don't know if it stands out to me as a particularly good on Baker Doctor episode. Oh, interesting. Serial. Okay. Serial. It's It's got it's got some good moments with the doctor, I grant you. I don't I don't know if it
1: quite had enough charm in it. What do you think? He wasn't as playful as he was in his first one. I remember yeah. us talking specifically about how playful he was in Robots. In the arc he was quite playful. Santor Experiment, even like even the really dark episodes, he was very Tom Baker-y, And I wonder if maybe it's the production team. And I mean, we've got there's a whole new team running this show at this point, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe they want to tone that down. But I really liked Tom Baker in this. It's startlingly clear that he enjoyed this serial more than he did Fang Rock. Mm, I guess, yeah, I could get that. So you remember in the trivia of Fang Rock, we read that, oh, he absolutely hated the script to the point of, at one point, throwing, literally throwing the script out the window. Oh, yeah. And I think we both found him to be, to seemingly be very grumpy throughout the whole story. And in this one, he isn't necessarily as grumpy. There are a couple of occasions where he tells Leela off, and there's the incredibly weird bit at the end where he, he plans on leaving without her and K-9. yeah. And then comes back and that th- doesn't answer her question. You know what, Leela, good question. Why did he try to leave?
0: <laughs> yeah. That really bothered me. Because I could have easily explained that way. Because Leela is like crouched behind a desk or something. He could have assumed she was in Matardis. Yeah. Like he just runs in Matardis and just like go. Yeah. Assuming that she's there. And then it's never explained. It, we are left thinking that the Doctor just was being a selfish bastard.
1: Okay, but why does he come back? Because he can't hear her from inside the TARDIS, right?
0: I don't know. We have nothing else to go on. We, are, we only have her calling going, Hey, him.
1: Doctor, where are you going? And, and then he's like, oh, shit, sure, yeah. I forgot
0: about that. Might be the case. It's a, it's a really weird thing to leave dangling. Like, do you want us to think that about the Doctor? I, did, I don't you, want to think uh, no. that. Uh, yeah, another thing... But the end of this episode, it, the serial yeah. is just e- Yeah, exactly. Which is a shame because one of my earlier notes is the comedy value that the Doctor can bring when Tom Baker Tom wants to, and the writing's yeah, good form. Some of my best friends are human. <laughs> yes, but then I mean, downplaying it as like when a big group of them get together, other lifeforms tend to suffer. Like I think, I think yeah, that's, that's true. A, a nice little thing very early on in in the whole serial of the Doctor's love of humanity, but understanding that
1: uh, there's another a flawed. There are, however, there are a few points here where he is strikingly arrogant towards mankind. We when he's when we see his brain he says, both on the screen and in, let's call it real life, he says, that thing over there, that's the only thing that we, you and I have in common. Or, this here is what makes me so much better than you. Like th- yeah. th- These bits over here, Like that thing that you just asked about, that you think is gross, that you don't understand, you can't wrap your head around, even though ironically, our my head is wrapped around us, that is what makes my brain so much better than you. And And I can't help but feel that that is a little arrogant. Oh,
0: just a little. The thing that is mentioned during that which i'm not aware of remembering at least okay is that Gallifreins can link like telepathically? Oh, and I think yes, you're right. I think it's even said in the way that they can share their minds, like they in the same way that the swarm can basically link their minds together, and yeah. it is one entity. Gallifreyans can do that. We work a- on, work on a problem there.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, at least ish. I mean, we had a couple of occasions with we right where he telepathically communicated with someone. Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of maybe Maybe I'm thinking of the hypnosis element of it. Definitely saw hypnosis if I if I
0: saw. Telepathy. telepathy. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Maybe I'm mis-
1: misremembering. There's not an automatic telepathic communication between uh, Gallifreyans either. I mean, otherwise, we would have instant telepathic communication between the, the doctor in New Who and all of his fellow doctors, for example, for the 50th, or with the people on Gallifrey while he's saving the day.
0: Yeah, I, I've not read enough about this well i've not read anything about this so i, d- I don't know if it's something that's just kind of offhand mentioned and it's not really a thing because i think the doctor says like he doesn't use it a lot now or, or something like that it's, ah, okay. it's something he has a lot of control over anyway is the implication basically turn it off right so, i missed that i missed that I, I might be wrong with this as well i I don't have notes but it was, it was
1: quite a short scene for what could potentially be a very big topic yeah I am certain that we've seen some form of Dr. Telepathy in Classic Who before. Absolutely yeah. certain. I can't remember even if it's Pertwee or Tom Baker, but I am I feel convinced that we have seen it. But I, it seems like one of those things that have, have then kind of been phased out as we've entered New Who.
0: Yeah. I mean, but maybe that was our intention here, is, is that we know we've done this before, we're going to acknowledge it, but, but we're saying that's, yeah, exactly. that's in the past. I think in some ways, actually... Maybe what the Doctor feels to me during this serial is we've got the Doctor at the start, then we've got the Doctor basically out of action because he's been taken over. Yeah. And then we've got the Clone Doctor, and we get got a little bit of Normal Doctor afterwards. The doctor being taken over. is interesting from a plot point of view, but it's, then it's not our Doctor anymore. The Clone Doctor, I don't think I ever felt was the Doctor. No, not right. It was, it was kind of like a, a very task-driven, like, I'm just... Doing this one thing, gonna do a little bit of a tourist guide (laughs) as I go through my brain, but otherwise setting out on this one thing, and then at the end of it we get the real Doctor. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Not not the strongest Doctor.
1: Okay. And now it is time to rate this. Did we love or hate this? Bing bong bing bong. Hey la 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 la. Ratings.
0: Oh, it's that point in the episode where I have to about what the hell I really thought about this. <laughs> I'm just waffling. Well, as I have said a couple of times now, I was super into this serial at the start. Definitely dipped towards the end and mm-hmm. dipped even further at the end. Even to the very, very end... With Marius' joking about canine, I only hope he's TARDIS trained. Oh, yeah. What a zinger. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, that's half a point gone. <laughs> Fucking hell, Marius. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. <laughs> I was kind of, I was looking around on whobackwhen.com for previous scorings. Uh-huh. And I, I've kind of went into this thinking, this is probably in the fours. I was really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I think the twists were too too many and too convoluted with cloning people, shrinking them down, whilst the journey was kind of fun, a bit too much. The nucleus being blown up, turning into a shrimp. <laughs> I always want to say squid. <laughs> no, you know, it, it was just, it wasn't expanding the plot. It wasn't driving things forward. It was just a bit stupid. This, this is where we ended up with this serial, unfortunately, it was just things being a bit naff.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: But we still get... Some good stuff Carrying through All of it I think I still find Leela Really interesting It's It's not quite What I expect With Doctor Who That we have a companion Who is so violent Like she kills So many people And mm. horrifically Yeah Like we said Stabbing people in the neck And then gleefully going This is how you kill them You stabbed them in the neck <laughs> yeah, It's It's quite a weird thing To To kind of put With what I understand About Doctor Who But it is interesting Mostly because of that But then I don't think This was a pretty strong Doctor episode but then we get canine, who I thought I probably wouldn't like, and I super loved. Yeah. So it you know it's a bit of yin and yang. It's a bit of upwards trajectory and then downwards trajectory. So I could have gone into this like I said in the fours. I've had to dial it back a bit. So I've settled in a nice good zone of 3.4. three point
1: four. Three point four. Okay. That's lower than I expected of you. Oh really? Yeah. I had noted down three point six for you there. Okay. That's a very nice mini. Okay, for my part, I want to start with K-9 because prior to watching this serial, to be quite blunt, I hated him. As I said on the few occasions that he appeared in New Who, my recollection of him in Classic Who, a very childish character. But I was surprised and immensely satisfied to find that I actually didn't mind him in this one. There's, there's a cheesy retro quality about K-9, yeah. which is very agreeable and that I really appreciate. Leela... As the second companion, well, not the second companion, as the other companion in this one, was great. She's a total psycho. (laughs) And I'm glad that we got to see her in that green guess-up. Plus, she and K-9 really, they saved everybody's bacon in this one. True. More so than the Doctor did. And more so than, what's-his-face Marius did, because Marius's antivirus might as well not have been there. (laughs) Doc is brilliant, as always, I find. He is less grumpy in this one, seemingly enjoying himself more than he's about to in the production of the serial that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, uh, i.e. horror of Rock. though I do take your point about there are certain non-Dottery things about this. But in terms of the which one does he seem to like more, I have to agree with him, because I love the concept of this one. It is very Borg, as I said. The space crustacean is super cool. I mean, not the outfit... (laughs) The outfit is something that I want to throw on a barbecue and then just, just to spite the costume. <laughs> I wouldn't even serve it to my worst enemy. I would just grill it just to give it the hope of a decent ending. And then just before it expired, I would throw it straight in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> because how awful was that outfit? Plus, I don't eat shellfish. And you know what? Plot twist. I still loved it. Hey. <laughs> it is so cool to have a person-sized bacterium, as I said. Even more so, a bacterium that attempts to rule the universe or the galaxy. Sorry, Nationism. Bonus point for letting us watch him coming inside a porno booth. <laughs> Brilliant special effects overall. Beautiful miniatures, great sets, uh, creepy sound design. We didn't talk about that, but that clicky instrument, I'm, I'm not sure entirely what it's called. It's It looks like a little... It's got teeth and you have a little stick and it goes... Kr-k-k-k-k-k. Like, we would hear that every now and then. And um, it has been used before on Dock 2, but it really fits into this one. There's something... I think it's been used for insects before. I think it was used for the Wirren, and it is once again used in this one. I will give this minus points, though, for the pretty nonsensical ending. Okay, you know what, here's the thing, though. Sorry, this story is cheesy, and it is dumb, and it is nonsensical in much the same manner as The Web Planet, which is a classic serial that I gave a terribly low score at the time. This was like. You shut all over it, didn't you? Shut all over it to the point where for a while it was weirdly a, possibly the most popular episode. Like for a while, during the Harknall <laughs> years, it was the most popular episode. But then I have said since then that I wildly regret. That rating. And if anything, my rating of this serial really underscores that sentiment because, for m- much the, the same reason that I rated Web Planet down, I'm going to rate this up because I found this serial wonderfully entertaining and I am giving it a s- marginally lower score than I started off with Ooh, going okay. into the serial. I started at a 4.0. Ooh. I'm giving it a 3.9. Hey, that's what I predicted. Oh, no way. Well done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 3.9. <laughs> <laughs> Listener Minis? Let's. Listener Minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Writer, Rooney, and Cheese Nozzles, we have six whole Listener Minis for this one. Whoa. Holy moly. Thank you, everyone, who sent something in. We're doing this in chronological order, starting with, right out the gate, Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Paul. Paul, I'm afraid you've gone a little bit over the word count. You know the rules. 250 words or bust. So we are truncating your review a little bit, and we're reading the first and the last paragraph. Shall I take it away? Go for it. Here we go. Paul Forbes starts, The Invisible Enemy featured great model work as a space virus traveled to a base on Saturn's moon, Titan. The nucleus was a fascinating antagonist for the Doctor. Drawn to intelligence, it selected him as its host and entered his brain to learn about Time Lords and how the Doctor would escape its micro-world. The virus's subsequent growth was the exception the Doctor cited to negate the nucleus's right to survive and thrive in the human's macro-world. Mmm, interesting
0: stuff. But we are going to cut a few paragraphs and jump straight to the end where Paul continues and concludes... Models and sets depicting the interior of the Doctor's head made the invisible enemy look great. Shrunken clones inoculated the Doctor upon entering the micro-world, where the virus had every right to survive, as in the macro-world... The virus aspired to spread through time and space. The nucleus's growth and ambition, in the doctor's view, amounted to an invasion and invitation to destruction. This story's most significant element though was both a prop and a character since K9 boarded the TARDIS.
1: Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, Paul. Loving it, actually. Loving it. Um people who are not Paul, please high five Paul online and tell him uh, tell him we sent you. Uh, he can be found at Wordsmith Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Next up, we have. <gasps> I think it's time for one of these, Jim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> New reviewer. Oh
1: my goodness, another one. Yes, welcome aboard, Phil
0: Salter. Oh, I hope you like the flavor, Phil.
1: <laughs> if not, pour more of yourself on it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Welcome, 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 Phil. Very nice to have you aboard. Phil starts. Hi, Who Back When Crew. Hello. Short time listener, first time reviewer. I've caught up on every episode so far. Mm. Blimey. Very nice. Nice to hear it. Somehow, Phil says Doctor Who versus the giant prawn lives up to its expectations. It sounds like it'll be terrible. And it is! From the generic spaceships slowly flying around intro to the fetish-wearing hospital, (laughs) it's a pile of meh that is more a trudge than a joy. Several unrelated points slash observations now follow. Mm, I am curious to hear these points, (laughs) (laughs) Bill. <laughs> right, K nine, the only bright spark in this whole thing. Oh, well, mm. I'm. I, I don't know about it only, but I'm very glad that you like K nine. Next point: How does nobody notice the high levels of sleep on the infected people's faces? Surely you'd run away the second you see that, instead of waiting for. Contact to be made. <laughs> I guess that might be a kind of, dude. Are you
0: okay? Yeah.
1: Oh. Oh, Jesus. You did not sleep well. Uh, I feel like someone farted on your pillow or something because this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next point we have is the
0: miniaturization plot is bizarre. It reminds me more than a little of the magic school bus. Oh, reference. I'm not that familiar with. Nor I, but I'm going to Google it after this, mm. and then I'll end up on a list. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. It should be really cool, but somehow looks like a lot of generic alien planet. Ah,
1: okay. I mean, that's a fair point. For a future tech robot dog, K9 sure has incredibly noisy motors.
0: The suggestion that English spelling will get more literal in the future is a good one. Well, predicting the effects of technology has on language.
1: To my mind, this story prefigures the move of Tom Baker from slightly scary and very alien alien to silly doctor. Not a good move. Hmm, interesting. mm
0: Overall, says Phil, a pretty bad episode, sadly so I have to
1: give it 1.1. Holy moly, Phil. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wowee. Okay. I love it. We've got opposing viewpoints here. This is great. Nice one. Thank you very much, Phil. Phil adds, well, I was going to say, let's give him a Twitter shout out. I'm not entirely sure what. Twitter shout out to give him, but Phil says in this context, no one tweets the graph K and lives! In brackets, a reference you'll pick up in about a season's time. Ooh. Mm, I'm very
0: curious. I'm not convinced my brain will remember it, but thank you for pointing it out, Phil. I I will try
1: very hard. I reckon when it happens, we'll be like, wait, hang on, this rings a bell. Bingo bongo. Nice one. Thank you very much, Phil, and welcome aboard. Yes, thank you and welcome, Phil. Next up, we've got Christaps. Hello, Christaps. Hello, Christaps. Paddock. Chris starts, one of the Tom Baker serials I know least. I had to re-watch this to recall the details. This is a middling story, not amazing, but with some interesting parts, especially the Doc walking around in his own brain. What I thought was most interesting about this story is how Troughton-esque the story is. Mmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The base with a plague, the makeup
0: with, for the infected people, and Professor Marius being the shouty scientist all feel like a throwback to 60s who? I give it a 3.0. Interesting for historical value rather than the story itself. Although I do hope you refer to this as the story where the doctor catches crabs. Oh, damn it! We did not! (laughs) (laughs) Or at least some kind of giant shrimp.
1: Ish, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, doc, cash is great. I love it. I love it, Chris Dabs. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alan, next time, mini, as always, peeps who are not Chris Dapps, please high five Chris Dabs online. Chris Dapps can be found at paddock nd. No doubt. <laughs> next up, was that right off the top of your dome? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Next up, we've got Michael Ridgeway. 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 Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael goodness michael michael has a little change
0: up in his review format Mm -hmm. with some reactions (laughs) (laughs) so we've got episode by episode beats here episode one the mess hall massacre oh yes i was so shocked i dropped my doritos in the bathtub
1: uh, Michael Gros.s <laughs> <laughs> episode two: Canine just shot a guy in the Testicles. Yes, that's right. Screenshot on who when <laughs> So
0: everyone's okay with the morality of Operation Kamikaze clone. <laughs> If I was a clone and were to spend my ten minutes of existence on a suicide mission in my own brain, I'd be seriously cheesed off. How and why are the Doctor and Leela's clothes and accessories cloned too? Indeed. And love the haphazard way the crazy German doctor (laughs) scoops cloned Doctor and Leela into his syringe. How are they not crushed and drowned? Yeah, yeah, I want to know
1: this as well. (laughs) Episode 3 antibodies made from balloons and cotton wool.
0: Yep, they were. Yeah, very sexy stuff. Why did Leela's disintegrated clone leave her hair, knife, and bangles? Hair. Hair, yes, yes. There was hair. Yeah, you saw that.
1: Cliffhanger number three. What in holy hell is that?
0: <laughs> That's a giant shrimp, Michael. Episode four, we start with, it's a giant prawn from outer space. The seal just gained a whole point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that viewpoint. That's so good. <laughs> Next bullets, uh, Doctor, I found the answer. Knife them in the neck. You need psychological help, Leela.
0: No, she doesn't. She's fine. <laughs> and the
1: final point for episode four is barbecued prawn. That's right. <laughs> Yum. Gross. <laughs> in summary, says Michael, unexpectedly insane. And rating-wise, he gives this
0: four out of five prawn-possessed astronauts suffering horrific internal injuries
1: from a knife-wielding maniac. <laughs> Michael also adds some trivia, saying the 7th doctor. doctor does battle with King Space Prawn in audio adventure Revenge of the Swarm. Ooh. Yeah, I saw that on Todd's Wiki, actually, in the trivia. Also, again, the King Space Prawn voiced by the same actor. Nice. Thank you very much, Michael. Excellent stuff. People who are not Michael, fret not, you can follow Michael on Twitter. Michael can be found at bad underscore movie. Underscore Club. That's just that is it. <laughs> thank and you, Michael. Well, thank you very much. And also, Michael, I'm so sorry for not reading out your minis in those I want to say two episodes that you had sent something in and I hadn't noticed. I apologize.
0: Yes. Our post bag was just so full. Some had fallen on the floor and they went under the dresser. We apologize.
1: You know what? I blame Drew. Yeah. Let's blame (laughs) Drew. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Next up, we've got Peter Zunich. It's the (laughs) Zunmeister. Hi, Peter. Peter starts, Here's another of my guilty pleasures. There's really nothing great save the concept, yet I enjoy it tremendously every time. However, it's a contrast to most other guilty pleasure stories in that I feel this one becomes slightly less interesting the more I watch it. Good bits. The debate over the right to exist or be conquered. Exploring instinct
0: versus intellectual and comparing humans to a plague. Unfortunately, though, the
1: story just misses inspiring the viewer to more deeply contemplate these issues. K9 is awesome, of course, but he is plagued with power problems, which unfortunately precedents the major trope that lessens his usefulness in the future. Okay, alright
0: While the Doctor and Maris' interaction is delightful The usual banter between he and Leela is plain and terse Lacking the usual witty That's true The interplay between characters is sorely lacking Thus the dialogue fails to back up the insightfully intellectual themes This earns this week's retro rewrite Ooh Yes, you heard me I'd rewrite
1: almost all of the dialogue Especially Leela's Oh, I like it That's interesting And it sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Yes, a lot of work. (laughs) All these troubles aside, I still enjoy this episode a boatload, which puts me in a sort of conundrum. Do I have the right to rate this story the way I feel about it, or should I rate the way I feel is realistic? Is Doctor Who a virus, and am I infected? Is the misspelled writing on the wall? Should we just blow it all to pieces and steal the family dog? Mind, brain, mind, brain, mind, brain. Ah, oh, hell, three point three. But which one won? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that was a compromise. It might have been. Yeah, <laughs> Peter, I love it. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for sending that in. Thank you, Peter. And we continue with Nick Davies. Hello, Nick. Hi there, Nick. AKA the Doctor. Hi there, Doctor. Next starts. This was fun.
0: We begin with the ultimate anti-social party guest turning up on a space missionary who proceeds to blam the three other spacemen. Contact has been made. Excellent use of the word blam. Blam. <laughs> the premise has been done before, but I liked the idea of an entity which takes over the minds, plural, of another species. When the doctor is taken over, it really adds to the peril factor of this enemy.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, I agree. But the best bit of this story, K9. This is good, clean 70s Doctor Who and an enjoyable watch each time I've seen it. The premise of going into Doc's brain, that's new. It's repeated in New Who with the Daleks. On the characters, lots of previous Who actors turn up as ancillary characters in this one. Scarman's brother, the guy from Inferno at least. Leela is good, but there is a weird bit when she has a screaming fit when part of the Doctor's brain attacks her very weakly in episode 3. Yeah, I love
0: that. And it continues, I do like the way that leader and Canine save a day when everyone else has been taken over. Mm. I'm not sure about the monster nucleus visually. It looks like something out of Fraggle Rock and provokes the question, how can a wobbling lobster who can't walk without humans helping him rule the galaxy? Anyway, loving the podcast. Oh, nice. Hope I get this in on time. You did. You did. And the rating of...
1: 3.3! Nice one, Nick. Excellent stuff. (laughs)
0: And I I have to just take slight issue with the comparison to Fraggle Rock, because Fraggle Rock was so much better than (laughs) that shrimp could ever claim to be. But yes, thank you, Nick. uh,
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Really, really good stuff. In fact, thank you, everyone. Super duper good stuff. We've had fantastic points across the board. And I love that, I mean, maybe it's largely in the three, whatever, in the low threes. I like that there's a bit of a spread in this one, though. We've got a nice
0: clustering, apart from... We got 1.1, 1. One.
1: 1, we have four, yeah. we have Most some, of three some in the four. middle. three to like four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What on team? Mm-mm. So what have we got next up? That's a very good question. Well... We're going from shrinking the doctor and injecting him into something very clever to shrinking the doctor and injecting him into something rather clever in a new episode, namely of Into the Dalek. Oh, nice! Mm-mm. strangely timed linkage. Perfect, perfect, in fact.
0: And after that, we've got some classics. We will apparently be gazing upon the image of the
1: Fendal. I don't know what that's about at all. I, I don't know. Maybe I've seen it. I have no idea. We'll see. In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter though. Jim, you on Twitter? Yes, I'm at Jimmy the What now. You mean Jimmy the Who? Oh, I do mean Jimmy the Who. You're right. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> well played. And I am at Ponken. P-O-N-K-M. Ponkin. Cause why not? Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha ciao. Have an awesome week, everyone. See ya. other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao contact has been made? I didn't Sorry, know which I, one we were doing. <laughs> did I? And I, did, I did it too robotically. <laughs> okay, okay, take two. Deadpan. Okay, contact has been made.